Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In-depth conversations. Matchup breakdown. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome in to another episode of Fourth Down in the Steel City. Hi, I'm Chris Mack. He's Josh Taylor. Greg Finley's going to try to keep us on the rails as our producer. We're going to do our best. You are listening to us however you get your podcasts. Maybe it's Spotify, maybe it's Stitcher, maybe it's iTunes. Maybe you're a good boy or girl and you do it inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. However you do it, be sure to follow and subscribe so you can download the latest episodes as soon as they're ready. Yes, follow Josh's finger. He's pointing to where you download and subscribe. That's how you do it. It's right there on your screen. Or you're watching us on YouTube as well. We've had tons of viewers on YouTube, and we are greatly appreciative. Tap that little notification bell on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube channel, and you'll get the latest episodes fourth down in the Steel City as soon as they are ready for you, just as you did with this one. And Josh, Mike Tomlin's press conference on Tuesday afternoon, a typical Mike Tomlin press conference. We didn't paint with broad brushes. Um, <laughs> we were highly complimentary of the upcoming opponent. Um, took last Sunday's performance on the chin um, and moved forward. Um, the most interesting part, of course, was addressing the injuries. And I think that's where we start. We know now Cam Hayward going to be out probably close to half a season, if not at least half a season with a groin issue that's going to require surgery. Um, we know Deontay Johnson going to be out at least a few weeks. Um, we'll get into Deontay Johnson and some questions about the offensive side of the ball in just a minute. But let's start with the both immediate and long-term impacts. Let's start immediately um, of Cam Hayward's absence. Uh, I, 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 kind, I don't know what we have in DeMarvin Leal yet. Certainly don't know what we have in Keanu Benton because he's a rookie, but I like what I've seen, the, the little bit that I've seen of him. Um, and then we're down to our Isaiah Loudermilks and our Armin Watts and maybe our Braden Fajokos of the world if he should get called up from the practice squad. We've got our Larry Ogunjobi who won't practice all week, I imagine, at least until a little bit on Friday. Um, this defensive front has gone from – they might be deep, as Mike Tomlin talked about on Tuesday, Josh. I just don't know how good and healthy that depth is right now. And that could be bad news going up against the Browns. Yeah, there's a big difference between depth and quality depth. Because every depth chart has depth from the basic definition standpoint. But do you have quality depth? Because every team has guys that are next up. If you want to go with the next man up terminology, you want to use that. Right. Every team has a next man up. But is that next man up always good enough to really step in and, and fill in? And on this defensive line, on this defensive front, if you want to add the outside linebackers over the past few years, the answer has consistently been no. So, yeah, there's reasons for concern. It, it brings our 
who from the who from the practice squad is most likely to end up on the 53 conversation right back to the forefront? And you and I both said the easy answer was Braden Falco. There mm-hmm. you go. That's why he was the easy answer because it can happen that fast when you know, like that one. One of the reasons why we said it was because of Cam Hayward's age, because of Larry Ogunjobi's age, because it could be a problem whether it, yeah. at the beginning of the season or the end of the season. We talked about that and we knew that was a factor. On the the depth side of things, though, on the quality depth side of things, it, it does the same thing again. It gives you the same feeling you had last season. The only difference was last season came after a win, but you lost TJ Watt for almost half the season. Now you come after a really bad beatdown loss and you lose Cam Hayward for maybe half the season. But here's the thing that comes here's why it's important because not only are you losing one of your veteran captains again for half the season for the second year in a row. But last season, you lost your highest paid guy for, what, seven, eight games? And people are like, well, why are they this bad about T.J. Watt? Well, why is he your highest paid guy? Maybe that's why. Now you're losing your second highest paid guy for half the season, and it's probably going to affect your defense. And this is one of those times where you look at the people who always go with the highest paid defense, and you look them in the face and you tell them, T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward are the two highest paid guys on that defense. Most of the money is wrapped up into three guys. T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Mika Fitzpatrick. They were able to at least survive a little bit without Mika Fitzpatrick in a game here and a game there that he's missed. It hasn't been as brutal. But it's brutal when they don't have T.J. Watt. But now we have to see what they do without Cam Hayward. It's not necessarily the entire defense getting paid money. It's really three guys. And now for the second year in a row, you're losing one of those three highly paid guys. So now we got to see what the fallout is. Yeah, and I think it comes at the worst possible time, not just because it's – I mean, you can look at it on one side of the coin and say, hey, it's early in the year. He'll be back for the stretch run. Who knows what the record will be by the time he gets back. And more importantly, you know, we examined the first few weeks of the schedule very closely when we were trying to figure out when Broderick Jones may be inserted into the lineup, which yep. may happen as a starter this weekend, depending on Chooks Okorafor's head issues. But the other thing that, to pay attention to is that also early in the year – You've got Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs. And this is the worst possible time to lose Cam Hayward going up against those offenses that we know are going to lean, or at least should lean, run first and be built around their running backs. There's always a question of whether Stefanski will actually execute it that way or not. Stefanski and Van Pelt, um, because they've lost their way sometimes in the past. Look. Those are not the running backs you want to go up against. These are not the offensive lines you want to go up against with Cam Hayward out. Yeah, when you're talking about facing three of the top rushing attacks in the league last season, these are not the droids you're looking for, for a good Star Wars <laughs> reference. These, these are not the guys you want to face when you have problems with your defensive front. And we saw what happened when you faced Cleveland last year. And this, granted, it happened in Cleveland. But that run game, they never really got a handle on it. Chubb ran up and down and in sideways and long, tall, deep and consecutive on them last season. And it became a problem for him. And, and just Cleveland started, controlled the- I, just, I just got like an old school R&B flashback. Sorry. I grew up on Earth, Wind and Fire. I can't. I, <laughs> I just all of a sudden heard like Silk freak me or something. <laughs> Oh, the 90s references are a plenty in this, this episode. Sorry, but you're, you're right. They can't handle Nick Chubb going go up and down, 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 down. <laughs> Oh, I can't even comment on that. But no, it's it's it really it it does come down to 
And this was an issue that was a problem for this defense two seasons ago. Remember we talked about, hey, this, this defense is in the bottom third of the league and stopping the run. They were pretty much like, if not worse, they were next to worst. And then last season, they actually improved to the point where it's like, okay, they're at least better than the middle of the pack. They became yeah. a much better run-stopping team. And then you run smack dab right back into that issue again when you're losing one of your top run-stuffers facing a, a gauntlet with three of the top rushing teams in the league. This becomes a big problem. Well, and, and here's the other part of this. You know, I, I think the number that uh, Adam Crowley of the Fan Morning Show tweeted out Tuesday morning was 0-14, but we dug a little deeper and found – because we, we, we looked at each other virtually via text and said, well, wait, it's got to add up to 16. It can't right. be 14 because the Niners played 16 games last year uh, or 17 games. And right. obviously the, the final game of the year, you're not counting. Um, but th the point is this. Niners opponents went 1-15 and 15 in their next game after playing San Francisco. And the only win was the Kansas City Chiefs after a bye week. So... <laughs> Teams playing immediately the following week after playing the Niners last year went 0 and 15. They don't Teams do well. get beat up by this squad. And we talked about that last week. We were going to have to prepare for the Steelers weathering the physicality of the Niners. They didn't weather the physicality of the Niners well, Josh. They lost 30 to 7 in large part because of that. And now you're missing Cam Hayward. Uh, you, you, who knows? You know, Deontay Johnson, uh, I don't think is part of the weathering the physicality, but the point remains the same. You're missing a big piece up front on defense. You're physically beaten up, even if you're getting an extra day to heal. I don't know what that extra 24 hours is really going to do for you. Um, and you're going up against the team that although they've lost a big piece on their offensive line for the season, it's still Nick Chubb, like you said. Yep. And it's still a team that should be focused on running the ball and trying to punch you in the mouth. And one of the best run blockers is Joe Petonio, and he's still there. So mm -hmm. that's... That doesn't seem as critical as you think it does. And But from the Deontay Johnson standpoint, it might not be a reflection of the physicality, but he's also considered on this team to be the best route runner on a wide receiver unit that's about to face a team that Mike Tomlin said he felt like their corners won that game against Cincinnati. So now you lose your best route runner against a group of guys that might have single-handedly, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? unseated Joe, Joe Shiesty in week one. So it, Maybe, it's, yeah. it, it does become, it does, it's not as big of a thing as the run game, but it is a point of emphasis is saying, Hey, you know, with the issues your passing game already has now your quarterback's not going to have his best route run. It, it doesn't make it look any easier going into week two. Yeah. So that means, and, and that brings us to the next biggest injury on, on the roster this week, which is Deontay Johnson, at least for a couple of weeks, which means more Allen Robinson. Uh, more Calvin Austin Jr. I'm okay with those two as a third and fourth receiver. This is going to be a real test to have these guys as your number two and number three. It's going to be a big test for George Pickens. I would imagine, I would hope that many more footballs coming his way is now the number one guy. Um, hopefully he does actually believe Kenny Pickett can get him the ball, even if his Twitter fingers may say differently. Um, <laughs> here nor there, this also would lead to I hope, and I don't know if they'll do this or not. They didn't seem interested in doing it week one. I would hope more 12 personnel, more two tight end sets, more Darnell Washington on the field. Um, get me more of that so that you can lean into what is supposed to be the personality of this team on offense. You got away from it in week one because you were down 17-0. 
You couldn't lean into the run game really anymore. You couldn't ask your offensive line to go out and be physical uh, the way you maybe wanted them to coming into the season, the way they were successful in doing in the preseason, and the way they were successful winning games seven and two uh, down the stretch last year. So get an extra tight end out there. Let him act like an extra tackle in rundowns in particular. And if that means he gets to run some more routes and now your options are Pickens, Robinson, Fryer, Muth, and Washington, I'm okay with that. Not only that, but when you go into your sub packages, when you have to put multiple guys out and spread them out, you're probably going to use your first tight end there. You're going to use Fryer, Muth a lot more spread out with Robinson and Austin and Pickens. You're going to have to try to move him around too. And that maybe becomes a matchup designation. Maybe that becomes a situation where you've got your 11 personnel guys and you start emptying the set. You start emptying the field and start giving these defenses different looks because you're going to have to find ways to work around the fact that our, that WR1 on your depth chart is not there. So now you got to find other guys to incorporate into your passing game and see if it works. And it also creates another issue, and I'm glad you brought up the 12 personnel bit because we talked about this going into the San Francisco game. It, this, this brings up another thing, and I don't know why we keep coming back to this or people keep showing this same flaw in logic because I, I, I read someone tweet this out, like, well, well, 10 carries for 49 yards. Like, are you going to lead to the physicality to run game? I'm sitting there going, you're, you're, down, you're down 20 at halftime. Yeah. Or you're down 13 in halftime, and you'd have been down 20 if you didn't score a touchdown before halftime. You were down 20 before that two-minute drill. And you and I talked about this. I said this specifically. If they get down by two possessions or more against this team, it's going to be a bad afternoon. You see the shirt, folks. You see what it says? It says he who remains. Sometimes we see this stuff coming. Sometimes we see it happening. And we're telling you what we see because we've actually done our homework on some of these opponents. So when we tell you if they get down by two possessions, it might be a bad day, just believe it, especially if you yeah. see it unfolding in front of you. Now, the way you can combat that against a team like Cleveland, because Cleveland doesn't do offensively what San Francisco does. Not many teams do offensively what San Francisco does if we're being fair. Mm-hmm. But the way you combat that with Cleveland, you know Cleveland's going to run the ball. They're going to try to make it a ball control game. This becomes an opportunity for your offense to try to do the same thing. Whether or not you do it better than them, may not even be the issue at this point. Whether or not you could just do it efficiently is the thing that matters more. You got to be able to get first downs before you do anything else. You got to move the chains before you can do anything else. You cannot keep going three and out for the the explainable and unexplainable reasons. There just has to be a better production move there. And I do think it's going to be interesting to see if they they remain committed to that personality. Like I said, that they showed us in the offseason – when they built this offensive line a certain way, when that they look committed to in the preseason as well. That's what I want to get to next. This offense is not just personality, but the guy who's supposed to be at the front of the line leading the offensive personality. No, I'm not just talking about Matt Canada. Relax. We can we can go a little bit deeper, I think, on this. Because uh, there's a guy who underperformed on Sunday. We all saw it. And maybe it's not as big of an underperformance, unfortunately as it is not meeting sky-high expectations that were blown out of proportion this summer. We get into Kenny Pickett next, right here on 4th Down in the Steel City.
in-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Back into Fourth Down in the Steel City alongside Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Mack. And we were just talking about the offense, Josh. What's the personality of this offense going to be going forward? against another team that you would think, well, look, it, it doesn't matter who they're going up against, whether it's Cleveland, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Houston, whether it's Baltimore, whether it was San Francisco last week, until they get down big, like you pointed out, that we talked about last week, unless they get down big, the personality of this offense seems to have been built this offseason around leading with the run, with Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, his physical, nasty offensive line, or at least more physical and nasty than it's been in any recent memory. And I'm not asking Kenny Pickett to do too much. Are they going to lean into that personality? Because when Kenny Pickett was asked to do too much against the Niners, he tried to do too much, and it looked bad. That second interception, in particular in the middle of the field, really bad. And I think we have to kind of pump the brakes on Kenny to this extent, in that there's been so much pumping of this guy's tires. Not just since he was drafted, but in particular this offseason, this summer, this training camp, and this preseason with the five touchdowns and five drives, right? I'll be honest, as a little, you know, I think we all bought into it to varying degrees. Um, I think those of us that, that bought into it a little bit, but reminded everybody else, hey, pump the brakes, just relax. You know, this, this Some is of us. preseason. We remained, we remained somewhat realistic about this, right? And cautiously optimistic. Some of us. Then there were others, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> who wanted to put this man in the Hall of Fame the day he was drafted and used this offseason, this preseason, to further cement that status and talk about this as a 13-win team. Because the quarterback was going to go leaps and bounds above the expectations for his growth this year. You could come out and say it. They just held him by the hill and dipped him in the river sticks of the Kenny Pickett height. You can just say it <laughs> and, out loud. It's fine. And I just I, – I think it's unfair to Kenny Pickett. I think it's unfair to Kenny Pickett. You know, I think it yes. kind of loops back around in all seriousness on something. I remember talking with people about when they drafted him, that this may be one of the worst places for him to end up. Because the expectations are going to be unrealistic here in Pittsburgh. If Kenny Pickett got drafted to Seattle, if Kenny Pickett got drafted to San Francisco, where Brock Purdy is, uh, if, if Kenny Pickett got drafted any number of places where they didn't watch the ACC in his senior year, where maybe they didn't take his Heisman candidacy and go overboard with it, where they didn't presume that once he was drafted in the first round, he was going to be a franchise savior, I think it would be a lot more fair to Kenny Pickett, but he's drafted here. And then the expectations start piling up and piling up and piling up and piling up. And now they're all those expectations are unrealistic on his shoulders. Josh, Kenny Pickett is in my opinion, anyway, his ceiling is that of a wild card quarterback. Now that's not to say they can't win a super bowl with Kenny Pickett as their quarterback. Certainly with the defense built the way it's been built when it plays well, when it stays healthy, um, with the skill position guys around him, the improvements on the offensive line, if Najee Harris finally starts to look like the first-round running back that they drafted him as, sure, they can go on a run in January, look up and be in a Super Bowl with Kenny Pickett, absolutely. 
but his ceiling is that of a guy who, if it's just about him, it's a wild card quarterback. That's pretty good. That's that's not denigrating Kenny Pickett at all. But we got so drunk on the Kenny Pickett juice this summer, this August in particular, that our beer goggles were on. And we thought we were going home with a 10. And we woke up Sunday afternoon, and he's he's a good, he's a solid seven. But we rolled over, and it was like, Oh, you are, that's not what I thought I was going home with. Nice to meet you. Um, and that, this preseason was beer goggles for Kenny Pickett, I think is what I'm trying to say. And I think it's unfair, the expectations that have been heaped on. I feel bad because you got the better analogy of the two of us on this one. So I'll, just, I'll stick to more you know, specific salient <laughs> points here. Uh, and I got three to be specific. Coming into the season, you had people who were, high on the Steelers, you had people who weren't high on the Steelers, you had people that were like, eh, they could make some moves here and there. They, they, they might be able to make a move up. And then as the, the offseason went on and the post and the preseason went on, you saw where people, oh, the Steelers could be a sleeper, the Steelers could be a sleeper. And I think a lot of that was because of one very specific variable. And that variable was Kenny Pickett. You had people who were high on him coming into the season. You had people who weren't high on him coming into the season and people that were, you know, detractors of this team from outside of the city would tell you probably a little bit of the quarterback, a little bit of the offensive coordinator, how well would the defense play with all the changes that they made. And that was kind of the discussion where, but a lot of it's still centered around Kenny Pickett, but that's why I talked about this, Chris, all off season. I talked about rebuilding the offensive line as a key of key matter of importance. I talked about trying to reestablish the identity of this offense as a key matter of importance. And I talked about even more so making sure this defense is better fortified to be able to support that kind of identity on the other side of things if it doesn't work as a key matter of importance. Because I don't think they're ready just yet to toss the keys to Kenny Pickett and say, here, kid, go drive the Ferrari for the weekend. They're not ready to do that. But and, and you you hear people say that and they get upset. And you got to remind people, hey, they didn't do that with the last guy either. Right. The last and guy. He's a, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be a first battle Hall of Famer. They didn't do that with him either. They didn't just right. toss him the keys. I don't think they did that to maybe his what, third or fourth year? Mm-hmm. It, it didn't happen right away. They had to bring him along. And it just so happened. Now, granted, it just so happened. He had a Hall of Fame offensive guard blocking for a Hall of Fame running back. And it made it a lot easier to build your build your identity around the run game. Also had the best defense in the land, hands down. Made it a little bit easier to not put everything on your quarterback's shoulders. We're not seeing that same kind of return on investment with the guys around Kenny Pickett right now. So it looks a lot harder to put stock in. But that doesn't mean it's not the way to go. It doesn't mean it's not the way to go. And I'll drop this third point in there. I think that's the third point. This is my second one. I can't remember. I lost count for a while back. But now start talking about the river sticks. You're rolling. Anyway, Um, I I had this class in college when I was at Duquesne. I had this, I want to say it was communication ethics class, and the professor was one of the department heads. His name was Dr. Arnett, and he had this line that I always remembered. It always stuck with me. He said, one of the unofficial definitions of cynicism is the result of unmet, unrealistic expectations. I feel like that's what we have in front of us right now. Unmet, unrealistic expectations. 
I think we heard the talk about how Kenny Pickett is, is you know, locking in and trying to get understand everything with the playbook and watching all the film to get full grasp of this offense. I think we got into that, and we put a little bit too much stock in. I think we saw what we saw in the preseason. I put a little bit too much stock in it. I think we we heard there was what he had what one interception in the entire training camp of, or out, out of all of it out of every pass he threw. I think we put a little bit too much stock in it, and I think we set our expectations so high and forgot to remind ourselves, hey, wait a minute, he's about to go face the best defense in the land, right? And, and we and, won, and not and just that, that in it, week it, one, it messed everything up. Not not just who he was facing in week one and who he may be facing in you know week two and and week three and beyond, but just how little experience he has like he's still uh, he's still got less than a full season's worth of experience as an nfl starting quarterback and so yeah for for all those reasons and more it just feels like we all gotta pump the brakes because here's what i really don't want to see happen is i don't want to see kenny pickett go out there and maybe go 22 of 28 for 225 and a couple of touchdowns against the browns and maybe lead a big drive in the fourth quarter, right? Because I, I do agree, he's got that clutch gene. That's in there. He right. comes up big in big moments more often than not. Um, I don't want to see that happen. And immediately, we're all back on the bandwagon, and we're chugging along again. And he's a future Super Bowl winning Hall of Fame quarterback. Here he comes. It was just a bad week. No, there's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. And it's going to average out somewhere in the middle to where Kenny Pickett is a 10-win kind of guy. That's okay. Would I have used the first round pick on him? Maybe not. But nonetheless, he's here now. And the expectations can't get skewed so wildly in one direction or another that we're not ready to take a step back and acknowledge what was in front of us before they drafted him. And then the entire first 17 weeks of his career, which is somewhere in the middle. And that's okay. You know what a 10-win quarterback has to do about seven times during the course of the season? Lose. If you're going to be a 10-win quarterback and you play the whole season, that means you're going to have to lose seven times. Mm-hmm. And if one of them is against a team that I will reiterate has the best defense in the land in both points right. and yards allowed, and also a team that has an offense that was in the top six in both points and yards gained, and a team that played in the NFC Championship last season and probably goes to the Super Bowl if their quarterback does not get hurt. If your loss is to one of those teams in the first game of the season, it's okay. That's not the worst thing in the world because you still have 16 more opportunities to win 10 more games. And you can do that at home on a Monday night where the odds are very much in your favor from a historical standpoint as far as your franchise is concerned. You have another day to prepare. And especially considering, considering the fact the first performance that we saw is not indicative of the other dozen or so we saw from the same quarterback last season. Right. The candy picket we saw against San Francisco is not the candy picket we saw against Baltimore in the second half of the season. Not the quarterback we saw against Oakland or excuse me, against Vegas. I'm still stuck in the 90s. Yeah. Quarterback we saw against, against <laughs> Cleveland in the last game of the season. That quarterback in the second half of last season was able to com- compose himself more, was able to handle situations better. And like you said, he was put in clutch situations that performed well. And let's take this a step further since we're talking about, you know, you, you mentioned his ACC career and someone who might not follow it as much. This is a guy who was a competitor at Pitt. They might not have always gotten the results they got. And it just so happened the last year that he was 
fortunate to play because of the COVID waiver exception. We got to remind people of that. He had a great year there, but there were other years before, other years before that where he had games where just the competitive nature of Kenny Pickett came out, and one of them just happened to be his first start when Miami came to town with the number two team in the nation, right. and he knocked that team off, and he, he can take that challenge and turn it into an opportunity. It didn't happen last week, but more often than not, when he takes that opportunity, it goes well. I just think we need to be ready also to realize that when you have a quarterback who is a nine and a half, 10 win quarterback like Kenny Pickett, guess what's going to happen to your point? Not only is he going to lose seven times throughout the year, but it's probably going to be to your point, building off of it to the better defenses, San Francisco this year, look at Miami and Philly and who who else did he lose to early last year? Buffalo. Uh, They got beat down by Buffalo last year. They got beat up by that defense. So let's just, keep a little bit of perspective. The one thing I do want to keep an eye on, and I don't know if it's just, look, I rewound it like seven times last night just to make sure it wasn't just an internet sleight of hand here. But when he starts getting whipped to the ground the way he did on that sack on third down in the first series, and you start seeing the head flop around, like, and it bounces off the turf that way, mm, I I know he's, according to Mike Tomlin on Tuesday, Kenny didn't report any symptoms quarterback's going to um and the the you know the independent spotter didn't seem to think it was anything worth looking into further or pulling him out of the game for now they did punt on the next play so they had time to bring him to the sideline and check things out if they wanted to it's just something when you've got a guy who's had two concussions early in his career it's something to keep an eye on and much the same way they're going to keep an eye on it in Miami all year with Tua you know it's just it's something that you worry about every time you see a guy go to the ground like yeah, it, that 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 uh, take down the ground looked a lot like the other two last year, didn't it? It looked mm-hmm. very eerily similar, especially the one against Baltimore. It looked really similar yeah. to when Patrick Queen got a hold of him against Baltimore. So it, it, yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point because you never want to dismiss that. Not necessarily because you, not necessarily because you're doing what some people like to do and try to use that as an excuse. No, you you don't want to dismiss that because that's still the health of the individual. Still a human being at the end of the day. And at, when it's all said and done, you still want him to be okay when he walks off the field, whether it's for a short period of time or it's for the rest of his life. You want him to have his faculties because you just want to wish another human being well. But it, it is important, and this is also why it's important to not just put everything on the quarterback. You got to put some of this on the guys that are blocking in front of him. You got to put this on the guys sometimes that are standing next to him that are meant to pick up those guys that are coming through that might take him down to the ground. This is why all this stuff is important. This is why when I hear people say, oh, but you got to have the quarterback and you figure everything else out. No, no, that's not always the case because we just saw Monday night, team brought in the quarterback, really good quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, wasn't really protected that well. And within what, four plays, he's done. The season's over. It, it's not gotta, always just gotta build the ball in front of him. You gotta yeah. have the guys around him that can protect him. We can say what we want about Brock Purdy and how good Brock Purdy looked and what Kyle Shanahan did. Brock Purdy also has the best offensive lineman in football on his blind side. He's got Trent Williams. T.J. Watt got three sacks, but he got them against Colton McKibbins. They didn't come against Trent Williams. This is the important thing that we're talking about here. It's not just what the quarterback does. You just put a quarterback in and just put X, Y, Z around him and hope for it to work. Go try to sell that to Kansas City after what we saw Thursday night against Detroit. Because he didn't have one of his best weapons, and they didn't protect uh, Patrick Mahomes as well as they probably would have liked to. So it's not just insert names here around great quarterback. 
it has to be a collective to make this whole thing work. That's why Brock Purdy looked so good last year. That's why Jalen Hurts looked so good last year. Mm -hmm. There are guys that aren't necessarily top-tier talents, but they can rise to certain levels. You don't have a Josh Allen and a Patrick Mahomes and a Joe Burrow on every team. But if you can have guys that can block for those quarterbacks or, or a running game that can complement them or receivers that can make plays that normally aren't made, it's going to elevate that entire offense. It's going to elevate the performance of the quarterback to a higher level. I think this is what the Steelers were trying to do in the offseason. We just yeah. haven't seen the results yet. But now you don't have Deontay Johnson, and it becomes even harder to do. But I'm not going to sit here and say everything is on the quarterback. Just like I'm not going to say everything is on the offensive coordinator because you can call perfect play, but if someone misses a block, it doesn't matter. It, it has yeah. to be a collective where everybody has to be better. And Mike Tomlin said as much. He said we got to be better as players, we got to be better as coaches, and everybody has to raise their level. Or if the quarterback just doesn't make the throw, that happened. That happened at least and that a handful happens. of times on Sunday. It at happened least. a handful of times. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Before we wrap things up, we've got to ask: Is this a thing? We do that next on Fourth Down in Steel City. depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Welcome back in fourth down in the Steel City. I'm Chris Mack, Josh Taylor with me. We've got you covered absolutely every day for everything you need to know about the Steelers and the NFL. Be sure to download uh, if you haven't already subscribed. Get yourself ready because this happens at least once a week also. Is this a thing? Intrepid producer Greg Finley jumps in between the two of us and asks us, is this a thing? So, Greg, start us off, because after Monday night, this is a legitimate question, I think. Yeah, uh, Hard Knocks, the series on HBO, there's been talk about the Hard Knocks curse as teams that have appeared on Hard Knocks have had bad omens or have not had good seasons afterwards. Aaron Rodgers now done for the season after a torn Achilles. So I ask you guys, is this the thing? I It's not the Madden curse. I won't go that far. That I Nothing really is the Madden curse. <laughs> yeah. Nothing yeah, is the Madden a whole new curse. level of curse. Yeah. Oh. But has, has a Hard Knocks team ever won a Super Bowl? I'll just leave it at that. I think it might be a thing. I think only, what, one or two Hard Knocks teams have maybe even made the playoffs? Is that the stat? I gotta go back yeah. and look at that. And, 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 and usually they're bad teams to begin with because, like, one of the right. caveats is you have to have, you know, missed the playoffs so many years. And I, there's all kinds of weird restrictions on it, but they're usually not great teams. They're what teams that are going through a lot of turnover and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, hard knocks teams don't tend to, to really go off and win big. So the and, stat is that eight of the 18 teams have had winning records and seven have made the playoffs. Uh, okay, that's better than I thought it was. It's better than I thought, yeah. Better than I thought it was. However, at the same time, I'll make this point. It's a little bit more anecdotal than it is empirical. Coaches and GMs don't want to be on hard knocks. <laughs> they usually don't want to do it. And, and the Jets were no different. Robert Solid did not want to do it. And when the announcement came down, he goes, okay. And even when the, he accepted that he was going to do it, there were still some things he didn't want to show. Because I, I, I don't think... First of all, I don't think any coach wants any kind of outside outside access to what they're doing to see what they're doing to, to create any more distractions that are possible. I think that's one thing that every coach would agree on. But the right. second thing is every everybody knows if you're on hard knocks, you're probably not that good of a team. 
So that that stigma kind of follows you. And companies don't want to admit like, hey, well, you know, are we are we admitting that we might not be good this year? I, I don't think anybody wants to go in and admit that. And it's a shame because the way this season could fall apart for the Jets really isn't going to be reflective on how good the team is because their best guy is now out after four plays. So, but all that said, when you look at how it happened and the history of it all, I think it's a thing. So staying, staying on the topic of the Jets, there are now talks about Mm. what are they going to do at quarterback now? Because (laughs) let's be honest, I don't think anybody's buying into Zach Wilson's stock. Oh boy. So there's a there's a bunch of different options out there. And one of the names that has been floated around is one Tom Brady. I don't think it's a thing because I don't think Tom Brady's coming out of retirement, but I'm going to preface it this way. Are the Jets going to go out and get a quarterback or are they going to buy into Zach Wilson? It should be a thing. They build a quality team around Aaron Rodgers, right? Like it should be a thing that they go out and look for a half decent quarterback or at least a quarterback better than Zach Wilson. I don't know if that's out there. I mean, you look at some of the names that are – Mitch Trubisky's being floated about, right? Like the they may call up the Steelers, which if I were the Steelers, I'd listen on that because if, if Pickett goes out for any length of time, Trubisky and Mason Rudolph are the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme, basically. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I would by all means listen in on that. But I don't, is there a lot out there? It, it should be a thing. They should be shaking all the trees they can trying to find themselves a quarterback. Yeah, there's reports that they're already reaching out to uh, free agent veteran quarterbacks trying to find somebody to bring in here. And they, they kind of have to. They got to put someone on the roster. They got to get a quarterback, at least yeah. someone in the room. But I I think they're kind of stuck with no choice. They've already found more direct and indirect ways to pretty much show that they have no confidence in Zach Wilson. That's why I said poor Zach Wilson earlier because everybody's just like, well, we did the quarterback because we don't want that guy. And he's a guy that's been there the entire time. He didn't ask to be drafted by the Jets. They drafted him. And I found Zach Wilson. I'm like, well, if you don't want me, like, send me somewhere else. Like, you know, I don't care. But it, it does come back to the central point. I think they have to bring in a veteran quarterback, especially if they don't have that faith in Zach Wilson that they don't seem to purport to have. So that has to happen. And Chris is right. You still have a team. That has some really quality pieces to it. And, and yeah. two of them we got to see a good measure last night. We saw a good bit of Brees Hall. We saw a good bit of Dalvin Cook. Those guys Garrett with your Wilson. run game, you, you saw a little bit with Garrett Wilson. They, they have guys that can make this offense go, especially those running backs. And they can do a lot with Dalvin Cook. And they can do even work some things in there where you're getting both these guys in the field at the same time to exploit some matchups. And that defense, it I don't say it's – as good as advertised yet, but it looks pretty good for all intents and purposes. They gave Josh Allen some problems. They could be a top 10 unit in the league if everybody stays healthy. <laughs> we, we saw what our own boy did from, from around these parts. He got three picks last yeah. night in Jordan Whitehead. Sure. So they can be opportunistic. They can force you to make mistakes. And if that's the case, I think Chris is right. You have enough of, of a, a base around you, enough of a nucleus where you can bring in a veteran, whether it's a free agent quarterback or someone in a trade, and say, hey, you know, we're not going to make you do everything Aaron Rodgers did, but we need you to do a few things just to keep this shit moving. So, yeah, I think finding a, a, a veteran replacement's a thing. So let me pr- put it this way. The options that are out there, you tell me if you think that this improves them. The first one is Carson Wentz. Would Carson Wentz really make no. the Jets any better than what they have with Zach Wilson? No, no I don't think no. so either. The next one is Matt Ryan, who's currently an analyst for CBS, but never filed retirement. 
He's he's an analyst whose own whose own announcer is throwing like subtle shots at him during the game. He no. didn't mean to though. He didn't mean to do twenty eight to three in a shot at him. Really, they, Greg? they brought it up. Really? That's what they said. That's what Tiki said. Anyway, okay. okay so is my Omar Epps doubtful face? <laughs> you see where I'm going. You see where I'm going. Catalan's not that kind of guy. Catalan's uh, a good dude. <laughs> okay, who else is on the list? Joe Flacco. I'm sure he makes them better. Oh, they tried that already, right? Yeah. That, no, there's – yeah. Nick, if, Nick if, Foles, if old... can I interest you in a Nick Foles? Hey, hey, what did Mike Tomlin say? Foles is Foles. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> Colt McCoy. <laughs> oh, the irony. Oh, oh it is rich. Guys, thick, this thick. is what they have. Man. Uh, I mean, people are saying Texas is back, but I'm not going there. Can I interest you in a Ryan Tannehill trade? Oh, my. I'd try and get no. Will Levis or uh, Malik Willis before I wanted Ryan Tannehill. They got one young directionless quarterback already. They don't need another one. Um, that's – no, I mean, this is what I mean, though. Like, yeah, I, I don't I – don't, I don't know where you go. I, even like calling up the Steelers about Trubisky at this point, he, he's lumped right in with the rest of those guys. I don't right. know if there's anybody that no, you can bring of in. Trade options I mean, are Winston, Mariota, Cooper Rush, Sam Darnold, Davis Mills, Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> Sam Darnold would be fantastic. It would be fantastic. <laughs> Sam Darnold would be perfect. <laughs> that would be Brissett's super ironic not a too. Terrible option. Yeah. Tyler Huntley would be kind of cool and Drew Locke. I, I'd never say no to Mitchu Mania because you know me. I'd love you know me, love with the air raid. But Cooper Rush? The Cowboys last season? The Cowboys last season, they started Cooper Rush for four games when Dak got hurt. The Cowboys played some mm-hmm. really good defense. They ran the ball in the in the three games that they that they won the turnover margin, they won and they went three and one with Cooper Rush. And the Cowboys just signed Trey yeah. Lance, or they just traded for Trey Lance. Would they so trade him? Got, yeah. Uh, so here, here's the case I'm gonna make. If I'm the Jets, if it's a guy that I might be able to trade for to get some semblance out of the pieces that you got, it might be Cooper Rush. I'm not saying playoffs for the Jets. It, but it might be better than Zach Wilson. I think the Cowboys the Cowboys, I think, might be willing to make that deal because it doesn't necessarily have to launch Lance into the backup role. All they do, I don't think Will Greer's been signed by anybody. They really like Will Greer out there. He just happened to be the baby that got thrown out with the bathwater um, when they when they traded for Trey Lance. They, Dak Prescott would be totally comfortable, and I think McCarthy would be totally comfortable with Greer as the backup. It wouldn't be the prettiest that they had to go to him. But... I mean, if you get yourself a fourth-round draft pick for Cooper Rush, fifth-round draft pick for Cooper Rush, I'd do and it. And the Cowboys can use draft picks. You see where I'm going with this. I think Cooper Rush could be attainable, and let's not kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. The Jets and Packers swapped some picks here, but they didn't give all of them away. And if you're just giving up one day three pick, that's not terrible. I mean, they, they got a day three pick. They, they moved the day three pick, the Cowboys did, to get Trey yeah. Lance. I mean, moving – Cooper Rush to get another one back? I don't think that's the worst thing in the world for either side. I feel like if you're the Jets, you should try and make a play for Trey Lance if the Cowboys would listen on that. 
But I don't, I don't know if they go one. for it. I don't know if the Cowboys would go for it. I think yeah, I think you no, got to. That's Jerry shiny. That's that's Jerry. There you go. Exactly. That's a shiny new toy. And I think you got a better chance of maybe it's, landing it's Cooper Rush. Jerry's shiny new toy. Okay. He Final loves shiny toys. All right. Give us one more, Greg. Give us one more. Final topic. Yeah, one more. Is this the thing? I, I want to talk about this to- Toy Story game. Oh, this yes. is great. Yeah. So they're going to have a Toy Story game on October 1st, the London game, Jacksonville and the Falcons, where they're going to have like a 30 second delay animation graphics of Toy Story of these football players. On- in Andy's room on like an electronic football field in like, you know, electronic football from the nineties. That's what it's going to look like. Me and my brother had uh, one. That so was, did I. That was the eighties. I guess it was like eighties going in. Yeah. The 90s. I think I'm in the seventies. Yeah. Every, every guy, yeah, every every guy, guy would just go in circles like this and then fall over. Or they would literally just rotate. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Oh so the question is, will this be more successful than Nickelodeon's kid-friendly NFL games? I want it to be a thing so uh, bad. I, and I want it to be more successful than Nickelodeon yeah. so bad. I think the only thing that yes. would make it better, because I didn't realize it was the London game, so it might, it might have made this even better. What if it was like Bluey instead of Toy Story? That would make it even better. And I say that as a parent of an infant and a toddler. I, I still want it to be better than Nickelodeon, so I think this is a thing, but you could have tweaked it a little bit better since it's the London game. So all I'm saying. Do you think people are actually going to watch? Like, kids, people that don't have kids, are they going to be like, oh, let's see what this looks like? Are you going to watch? Folks who don't have kids, no. See, Toy Story, though, is an old enough movie now that there's a sense of nostalgia with Toy Story. So people don't even have to be True. that old to be Toy Story fans. They could be in their mid-20s, maybe even – what? when did the first Toy Story come out? Like 1997, 1998, something like that? Man, There's a lot of millennials who watch it. You got a point. are 25, almost 30 now. So it's it's going to be a thing. And I, I'm going to check, it, some, check uh, it out for a couple minutes. You got some young millennials and maybe some older Gen Z who might check it out. Um, I will watch mm-hmm. it probably a little bit just because I have kids. And we have we have started watching Toy Story with my son, so I, yeah, we, we might try it for a little while and, and see see how we like it. It's officially yeah. a thing. I, I mean, like it. It's a nine thirty kick, and I work graveyard, so I'm not waking up for that. But I'll, it won't I'll be check a out the first. highlights. No. I'll check out yeah. the highlights. <laughs> that that can happen while I'm like making breakfast on Sunday morning for the family. That, that Perfect. I'm into it. Keep the kids yeah. occupied. Exactly. Exactly. Kids, you know what it is. Kids, we're watching football today. (laughs) I'm dropping you in front of the TV, and we're going to come together on this thing. And I don't care if Trevor Lawrence is dressed up like Woody. That's fine. I'm all good with it. (laughs) If it keeps you guys busy while I'm doing stuff, it's all good. So it's a thing. Uh, Fourth down in the Steel City is a thing as well. (laughs) And it will continue to be a thing. Next episode will come out tomorrow, and then another one the next day, and another one the next day, because that's the way we do it. We keep you covered every single day here on 4th Down in Steel City as we continue to build up towards Monday night against the Browns. Big one. Can't go in the hole 0-2. Can't lose a divisional game at home in prime time. So we'll continue to break it all down and build up towards a huge Monday night kickoff at Heinz Field. We'll do it all week. Again, make sure you're subscribed or following the podcast and whatever app you use to get it. Odyssey, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or if you're watching on YouTube, tap that little notification bell down below on the 93.7 The Fan channel. You'll get notified every time we've got a new episode up and ready for you, a fourth down in the Steel City.